only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, CNN cornered Orrin Orrin Hatch, outgoing Utah senator in the hallway there at the Capitol, and uh, asked him about... uh, the sentencing memos and uh, the revelations such as CNN is trying to whip up about uh, President Trump and some of his associates as we await Michael Cohen's sentencing today. Here's the exchange between Hatch and the fungible CNN reporter. The Democrats will do anything to hurt this president, anything. And what happened before he was elected president, you know, is, is one thing. But since he's been elected, the economy's done well. Our country is moving ahead. We're in better shape than we were before he became president. And I think we ought to judge him on that basis. But this is not the Democrats. This is the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Attorney. I mean, that's what's making this allegation. Do you think he's a Republican, do you? Well, he's appointed by the president. He's appointed by the president. Okay, but uh, I, I don't care. All I can say is he's doing a good job as president. Does it bother you, these these the crimes that he allegedly was involved in, the president, that doesn't bother you? No, because I don't think he was involved in crimes, but he, he, even then, you know, uh, you can make anything a crime under the current laws if you want to. You can blow it way out of proportion, you can do a lot of things. All I can say is this, President Trump, before he, he became president, that's another world. Since he's become president, this economy has charged ahead. We're all better off. The country's better off, and he's done a whale of a job. And, of course, CNN went from hyperventilating about Trump to hyperventilating about Orrin Hatch saying, I don't care, except... That was the headline on the Chiron, too. Orrin Hatch doesn't care. The problem was they picked the wrong person to discuss the Orrin Hatch matter with because Alan Simpson, who you may remember from just last week eulogizing Bush 41 retired senator from Wyoming, and friend of Orrin Hatch, he came on with Allison Camerata, and I don't think Allison got what she was looking for. I can tell you one thing that would solve everything. It would, now, you want to hear this. Every U.S. senator who goes to the Judiciary Committee should have a full FBI investigation from birth until they go on the committee. That'll take care of a lot of this crap. How would that take care of what we've seen with Because with Donald Trump? you don't go back into the life beyond. You don't go. Hell, when I was 18, I was on federal probation for shooting mailboxes. I fought a cop. I got thrown in the clink, and I, who is this? What ever happened to the moat in the eye of all these guys who always bitching, whining, moaning? They want a piece of everybody. So let it play out. I'm not going to get into. Orrin, I cared deeply for him. I cared deeply for Joe Biden. I cared. I loved them all. And I got along with them all. And we made it work. So if you want to pick old scabs, you better pick a new guy to get on the show. Go back and look into Professor Hill and Clarence Thomas. Why don't you leave people alone and go find some new work? Yeah, I think wow. go, go find some new work is good advice for Allison Camerata. Certainly we had improved cable news, but... You could say that about most and, of CNN's on-air yeah. talent. And then when they were done, they both looked shocked. Like, did he just tell me to find a new job? And yeah. they're shocked, then immediately threw it a commercial. Allison also oh doesn't pick up on sarcasm uh, either, <laughs> so that makes it for a difficult interview. For more on uh, the topic of uh, Trump's alleged crimes, particularly in the campaign finance realm, we're pleased to be joined again by Bradley Smith.
who is a law professor and former chairman of the Federal Election Commission. He's also co-author of Voting Rights and Election Law. Bradley, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. So uh, with respect to this campaign finance case and uh, all of this fear over the weekend about, uh, you know, the, the Southern District of New York is looking to indict President Trump. And so he could be indicted at his first day as ex-president and be sent to jail. And there's this effort, I think, to just kind of keep this cloud over his head and have people debate whether or not this is a campaign finance violation, uh, even if what Cohen uh, said is true that Trump directed him to uh, make these hush money payments to a couple of uh, ex-paramours, allegedly. Uh, just before we get into the politics of it, what what about the law of it from the, an FEC perspective, from a law enforcement perspective? If what Cohen said is true, that he was directed by Trump to make the payments that he made voluntarily with his own money, is that an FEC violation subject to criminal penalty? No, bottom line, it is not. Um, the prosecutor is relying on a language of the statute that says anything for the purpose of influencing an, ele- uh, an election is a contribution, and therefore uh, these payments would have had to be reported to the Federal Election Commission, and be- if they were made in cooperation with Trump and for various other reasons, it would be an illegally large contribution to his campaign, right? But the problem is that the statute... Uh, doesn't really mean that anything in, that might have the purpose of influencing an election is is covered by the act. For example, if a candidate drives to his office in the morning, right, he's got to go to work, start calling people, supporters and stuff, that's not his gas, it's not a campaign expenditure, right? It's clearly for the purpose of getting him elected when he buys a suit so he can look good on TV. That's not uh, something. And to be able to take a more realistic example, example, if you have a businessman like Trump, somebody like that, they often have a number of lawsuits up against their you know companies and so on. If a candidate like this were to come in and say to his corporate lawyer, say, look, I think all these cases are nothing, but I don't want them out there. I don't want the press accusing me of you know looking like a heartless tycoon. So I want all these cases settled just because I'm running for office, right? And his lawyer says, no, no, they're great cases. We're going to win. He says, I know that, but I want them settled. I don't want them out there while I'm running for office. Those settlements would not be campaign expenditures, which, by the way, would allow the businessman to pay his personal lawsuit settlements with campaign funds, which sounds wrong. So from a statutory standpoint, that's wrong. The statute has very specific language elsewhere in it that says the obligation has to arise out of campaign activity, essentially. And and having affairs with some women a dozen years before you're going to be a candidate, uh, even if those allegations are true, that doesn't sound like a campaign expenditure. And I was just tell people, too, just common sense. You know, when you give money to a political campaign, do you think a, a campaign expenditure is that they're going to take your money and use it to settle lawsuits or to pay hush mm-hmm. money or something like that? And the answer is no. So, you know, it's a, it's an unfortunate, uh, you know, personal uh, matter for the president, but it's not a campaign finance violation. And does it matter? I mean, are they going to follow the money? Because Michael Cohen at first said that he took out a second mortgage on his home to make these payments. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really matter. You know, there there arguably could be, and I, and I don't know, you know, all the laws. In fact, I mean, there are so many laws these days, right? There could be some violation in of, of some government ethics rule. There could be some violation of corporate fiduciary duties, you know, some kind of things like that. Cohen might have made, you know, violations of his ethical duties as a lawyer. But those are all different from saying campaign criminal, criminal campaign finance violations that these payments are just not. They are not campaign finance violations. So it doesn't really matter where the money came from because it's not a campaign expenditure. 
So, so what? So, Southern District of New York is having Cohen plead guilty to something that isn't a crime. I mean, so this is just a way to bootstrap around uh, your interpretation of the statute. We had Cohen plead guilty to it. We think it's a crime. He pled guilty, and now we're gonna, you know, plead him out so that he can implicate the person who directed him, allegedly, to commit this illegal act under campaign finance law. How, 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 yeah, do, you, how, how do you address that? You know, his guilty plea. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. You know, the prosecutor, he does have some statutory language there, which I quoted earlier about for the purpose of influencing a campaign. Again, I think this would not be found a violation by the Federal Election Commission. We felt that a very similar charge was made against John Edwards, remember the old Democratic uh, senator back in the 2000s, presidential candidate. Uh, and he, a jury would not convict him on almost an identical theory. Uh, supporters had paid money to a woman he'd had an affair with so that she would stay quiet. Uh, the court said not not a violation. You know, Cohen, he's he's facing a long prison sentence. He's a man about 50 years old. He's looking to spend the rest of his life in jail. He didn't want to do that, so he's willing to plead. And this puts uh, the president in the worst possible situation because he's not going to get a trial to sort of clear himself on this um, because they'll, you know, the general norm in the Justice Department is, is that you don't indict a sitting president. So. So for the prosecutor in Southern District, this is great, right? He doesn't have to prove his case, and he doesn't have to get a judge rule on whether his theory makes any sense or not as a matter of law. He's got the indictment out there, and now we can't do anything about it Trump leaves office. It's, it's the best-case scenario for him, and in a way, the worst-case scenario for Trump. So today's the day of reckoning for Michael Cohen. It's his sentencing hearing. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? How much time do you think? I know everyone's saying 42 months, but is that right? Oh, I, I really couldn't say on, on, on that. Uh, but certainly, it, it, you know, uh, I think the important thing here is had he not plea bargained, he would have been facing uh, decades literally in prison for some of the things that he's charged with, which do seem to be crimes. And, the, you know, I think from his standpoint, he was like, yeah, I'll plead to this if you're going to lower my sentence. And, and he knows, right, the prosecutor wants the big fish. How does the FEC uh, use its discretionary power when it comes to very similar incidents so for example uh something on the order of well, se- seven figures worth of contributions not properly reported by the obama campaign that's a fine somebody makes a, a structured campaign donation to uh mask somebody the actual donor's identity and in dinesh d'souza's case it's a felony prosecution in other cases it's a fine so you know the, the equal justice before the law when it comes to campaign finance rules and statutes. How, how do you address that? Well, the Federal Election Commission, which I, you know I serve as chairman of, uh, only handles civil cases. That is, cases that are generally filed with a fine or, or handled with a fine. And when when it's not believed that the person intentionally violated the law, but they had made you know various kind of errors, mistakes, and something like that. Uh, criminal penalties come in only when there is what's called a knowing and willful violation. And the norm is that all complaints go through the FEC. And if the FEC thinks it was a knowing and willful violation, then it turns it over to the uh, Department of Justice, which hands out to the U.S. attorneys for possible prosecution. But what happened in both the D'Souza case and in this case is the Department of Justice went out on its own without an FEC referral and without a complaint from anybody, and just started investigating this stuff, and they think there's criminal charges, and they, and they brought criminal charges. And I think, you know, one area that, that, I mean, generally I have a great deal of respect for most prosecutors, but I'll tell you, you know, prosecutors, a lot of them are politically ambitious people, and boy, they see that chance that, you know, I'm going to be the next Tom Dewey or, you know, great yeah. crime fighter, right? Yeah. 
uh, if I can nail this politician for corruption. Well, that, and this is that's what I wanted to get to. That's an important point about what the norm is with FEC and its relationship to prosecutors and how that norm was violated in both of those cases, but you know, particularly the case at Barr. He's Bradley Smith, law professor, former chairman of the FEC, co-author of the book Voting Rights and Election Law. Bradley Smith, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Folks, by the way, can read more about this at the website of the Institute for Free Speech. That's www.ifs.org. Thanks very much. IFS.org. Got it. Thanks, Bradley. And he joined us on our turnkey 